When something bad happens, people tend to distract themselves. They tend to distract themselves by self-medicating, and typically, that medication of choice is food. In this episode, the good doctor explains how to deal with those temporary negative feelings and avoid the consequences of these harmful coping habits and bad decisions. Roll the intro! Good day, everybody. Today's episode, or story time, or whatever you want to call it, of Coffee with Cashy. This is... So I'm going to do a little bit of a continuation of what we had discussed yesterday. You do need a fresh coffee, Kabir. Fresh coffee is the best coffee, depending on how you define fresh, which might be... A science-related topic I want to talk about, again, is that everybody chugs along, right? Everybody makes progress on something, somewhere. And then, whoosh, it's very, that's, that's, that's very scientific of me, that bam, right? <laughs> uh, something happens, and that something could be a roadblock in your personal life, It could be an unfair situation. Maybe a person with better luck or opportunity than you. Uh, A number that you're keeping track of or or measuring might be going in the wrong direction. The funny thing is that these, these negative feelings, going back to that binary again, these negative feelings of disappointment and discouragement are, I just realized it this morning, are almost exactly like motivation and inspiration, right? They make you feel in a certain way that makes you want to act. And so, ironically, a lot of people talk about needing to be motivated, but the reality is that negative feelings are just as much, if not more, motivating than positive feelings are, because motivation is just, well, now I feel like doing something. (laughs) Maybe that something is different than what you want, but from a semantic standpoint, I still consider highly negative feelings inspirational, because a lot of people will act to avoid discomfort, right? And that's kind of what a lot of this is about. Because loosely, like I'll bring this up consistently, uh, motivation and inspiration, they happen at random, they come and go as they please, and they're often directed towards random stuff. And you can replace motivation and, and inspiration with discouragement and defeat. These feelings come and go as they please. They often happen at random and are often directed towards things unrelated to your objective. But they affect your progress anyway. And the reason why all these things are pretty random is that, yes, you can look back and trace your steps and come up with a convenient story of how and why things happened the way they did, but that's just a story of convenience to help you put puzzle pieces together in your mind. The skill of doing that in real time is, well, a skill. And one that almost nobody practices in a way that makes them better. And that's part of why TKN is here. That's part of why I'm here, to try and bring awareness to those things. Because you could have the same thing happen to you a hundred times, and you could have a hundred different reactions to that thing. Ah, and you know why? Because it depends on your mood. It depends on the moods of other people, the events directly before you experience this thing. And taking all these variables into account, which, by the way, is impossible. (laughs) That is impossible. The same event happening, I always say this, 
The same event happening multiple times creates different perceptions of the outcome. So even though the outcome might be the same every time, the perception of how you feel about that outcome may change. And that's why all of these negative and positive feelings, I think, are all kind of random. And as I said earlier, they're all motivational. They all prompt you to act differently than you're currently acting. And this is why the only thing that really matters is that all feelings, all feelings, good or bad, they're temporary. You also do self-sabotaging behaviors when you're in an exceedingly good place as well. And everybody has had a celebration that's bitten them in the butt later, right? So people screw themselves if they're in a great mood or if they're in a crappy mood or if something good happens or if something bad happens because this is how humans learn. This is how humans learn. Uh, negative feelings in particular, though, they take up the most brain power. And even though these feelings are temporary... The front line of defense is still to anchor a stimulating, rewarding, habit-forming behavior to a feeling you want to delete or make go away. And as we've discussed a little bit earlier, forgetting things is impossible. All you can do is focus and refocus on something else until that thing taking up space in your brain shrinks to the point of being minuscule. It's easy to ritualize, I eat when I feel sad. I have scotch when I feel anxious or coffee when I'm tired. Stimulating yourself during a period when you feel discouraged or disappointed or defeated, when your life is unfair button is, is pushed at the surface, it feels like you're medicating it, right? You're, you're using a drug and making it go away. But the reality is that since these feelings are temporary and you're doing something highly stimulating, you're using it in a, really an effective behavior modification tactic to distract yourself from those negative feelings. You're doing something, you're doing this thing while this other bad thing is happening in the background and eventually that'll go away. It's kind of like the, you know, the ugly dad joke of the kid who, you know, falls and scrapes his knee and the dad's like, well, what if I punch you in the shoulder? You'll forget about your knee. And that's actually kind of true. <laughs> it's kind of true, except, you know, in real life situations, we, we amplify it a lot, okay? It's just a matter of distracting yourself while this feeling you dislike passes. And that's, that's more or less what negative reinforcement is. You can get into the semantics of that with me some other time where I would like to learn about it more like we all do, okay? And so this makes it easy to make a connection between if I do behavior X, then feeling Y goes away. But it's more like feeling Y goes away on its own after 30 minutes, so I'll do behavior X until that happens. Ah, <laughs> ah. This is where things get spicy. I love it. It's my favorite. And a great example of this is the rain dance. Now, my knowledge of Native American mythology and lore is close to zero. So this is my, my colloquial white boy understanding. Okay, so feel free to, to educate me on this topic at some other time. However, I'm going to give my interpretation of it for the sake of storytelling, okay? Does performing a ritualistic behavior have an effect on a seemingly unrelated environmental condition? For instance, if I do the rain dance, does it make it rain? And well, that makes it that, that depends on how you connect the behavior and the phenomenon you're trying to manipulate. For instance, if you do the rain dance until it rains, then the connection between your behavior and the environmental condition is as solid as freaking concrete solid as concrete. When the stars align and the timing is perfect and two unrelated uh, 
a cause and like the effect of one thing is is connected to the cause of another thing if the timing is perfect well then by golly it may as well be truth right uh, this has a profound impact on your brain on how your brain works because well it, it's how you learn by eating until you have a different feeling by drinking until you have a different feeling by gambling until you have a different feeling you are negatively reinforcing a behavior going away from pain as in the more times you connect a behavior with the change in the feeling you want to avoid the stronger that connection becomes you're learning that's what learning is and the biggest oof that comes when the distracting behavior you choose has an impact beyond the initial feeling you're trying to avoid. The more stressed out you are, or the greater the perception of the urgency, the closer to the present you think and feel. You're thinking one step ahead instead of ten steps ahead, and that's what urgency does. That's what urgency does. If you're calm, cool, and collected, you act in a calculated way. You more effectively see into the future. If you're discouraged, disappointed, or defeated, you act in a way to avoid discouragement, disappointment, and defeat. So now again, we're back to the space between stimulus and response. And by catching yourself during the time you're stimulated, you expand the space and you can inject logic independent of your feelings, which is inconvenient and takes skill. But that's why we're here. That's why we're talking. The first step is identifying and addressing the behaviors you want to change. And that happens while you do it. Much similar it's pretty close to, to dog training. A dog only knows if you disagree with his behavior, that specific behavior, if you catch the dog while they're doing it. Same thing with kids. Though I think dog training and human training are quite similar until the age of six or seven or eight. <laughs> uh, but the reality is that you have to catch yourself reaching for the cookie jar for a second micro conversation to occur where you stop yourself mid-reach, realizing, oh, I should check again to see if this is a good idea. So asking somebody to identify the, the micro conversation that gives them permission to, to act in a way that they, that they want to, that hurts them, that's asking a little too much. Uh, it's pretty meta. However, what you can do if your experiences and your internal micro conversations are elsewhere, it is possible to have the conversation with yourself, be like, okay, Life is unfair, therefore I'm reaching into the cookie jar. And then, ha, you catch yourself reaching into the cookie jar and have a second micro-conversation of, is this a good idea? Uh, then, okay, then you can reevaluate. So that's kind of step one in all of this. Expecting a person to, to read their own mind, ironically enough, is asking a little too much. But what you can do is be kind of third person or meta and and really pay attention to how you're acting and then look backwards and see what was I thinking when I acted. So normally it goes something like this. There's a stimulus and then that stimulus makes you feel a certain way, in this case negative. And then you have a micro conversation with yourself, which is where you justify and give yourself permission. And then you make a decision where you say, okay, I'm going to go through with this. And then you begin whatever the action is. And then, okay, there's a micro conversation where you catch yourself and then you reevaluate the situation to say, okay, should I keep doing, should I keep doing this thing? And then at that point you say, okay, that was a silly idea. I'm going to back off or I'm okay with this. I'm going to keep doing it. And that's part of why behavior change is so exhausting. I mean, look at all those steps. I even lost count. I'm not counting. There's just a bunch of steps, right? And a veteran 
of the self-awareness, you know, mindfulness, moderation, you know, sort of TK and philosophical ilk is that they can flag as soon as they feel a negative feeling versus stimulus, negative feeling, micro-conversation, decision, action, blah, blah. You know, they just say stimulus, negative feeling, oh, negative feeling, halt, okay? That takes practice, All right? Stimulus, feeling, micro-conversation where you evaluate instead of give yourself permission and then there's an action. This is like half the steps, and that saves you buckets of brain power that you can use for other areas of life you're actively improving, they have relearned. Negative feelings will now actuate their self-awareness beacon rather than the decision or the action itself. And you eliminate the need for course correction and the second micro-conversation. So at the beginning, like I said, if you realize, whoa, I'm about to do something silly, should I do this or should I not do this? I'm going to choose to do something else, okay, and then you do something else, that is how you start. That is the best way. And eventually it's, ooh, I feel negative. What am I going to do? Let's do the positive thing, even though I feel negative. And when you get to that point, your progress, progress goes, it's, it's fabulous. And now you made yourself the way you are from years and years of, of reinforcing your stimulus and response connections. You've made it this far. So you're doing okay. <laughs> Trust me there. You've made it this far. You're doing good. There are some things you may want to change, and that's okay. That's where this is important. This is part of where, yeah, life is unfair. If it took you years to get you into the situation you're currently in, it's okay to give yourself a couple of months to identify where you get bent out of shape and what your personal rain dance is to solve it and distracting yourself from those negative feelings. Now, I can outfit you with custom-fitted armor and weapons to fight the self-sabotage monster, I'm easy enough to get into contact with you uh, for, for helping you with that. Because this gives you a good boost in self-confidence and a framework of decision-making to sink your teeth into. The important thing to remember is that even though you have armor and weapons and a plan of attack, there's always, always going to be something that knocks the wind out of you, making you feel defeated. So... That means there are three extremely important things to take into account. Number one, everybody has a rain dance. What is your rain dance? How do you currently distract yourself from feeling negative? And what are the secondary consequences of this behavior? We already know what the primary ones are, right? The primary ones are distraction, but what are the secondary ones? If any, if there are, do those secondary consequences leave you feeling better or worse after your current negative feeling subsides? This is how you start to identify and address, okay? And this is where some people might say something like, remember your why. This is the second one, by the way. Or, or some other pseudo-inspirational garbage. Uh, and, and why you do it is actually less important than the fact that you chose to do it. <laughs> At one point, you thought this was a good idea. However, that is a feeling, and all feelings are temporary. That also means at one point you'll think this is a bad idea, which is also a temporary feeling. And when you take this into account, it all kind of comes out in the wash. <laughs> it all comes out in the wash. And, and the important thing is that... Oh, the important thing is that independently of how you feel, this is your choice to change. Let that sink in for a second. No matter how you feel, it is your choice. And sometimes it'll feel like a good idea. Sometimes it'll feel like a stupid idea. 
But all of that is meaningless because you made the decision. And now the question is, do I make good on the promises I make to myself? Because it's in your power to do that. And that means doing stuff that's inconvenient sometimes. And that's the way she goes. (laughs) That's the way she goes. And the third thing is that you can continue to make yourself miserable. You can fight the negativity, trying to make the negativity go away. Then you're kind of like Sisyphus, right? Rolling the rock up the hill, only to get to the top and have it roll all the way back down. And then you curse the gods for your eternal punishment, going, no, this is so unfair. Or, like we've discussed before, you can embrace the negativity. And instead of saying, no, it's unfair, you can say, yes, it's unfair. However, I choose to be fair to myself. And once you internalize truly that you need to do the things you need to do to get to where you need to be, then the tug of war goes away and your decisions become simpler. Do they become easier though? It's easy for some people to say, well, they're still hard. And it's also for some people to say, well, okay, yes, they get easier. And I take a kind of in-between path where they become indirectly easier. By having a simpler decision-making model, you free up the brain power to do the things you'd otherwise be too exhausted to do, making you feel forced to medicate the negativity. (sighs) So by saving yourself brain power, you can then apply that brain power to situations where you otherwise would have been brain power deficient and then shooting yourself in the foot. And when you avoid that, you end up increasing the amount of progress you make by taking your foot off the brakes. If you're constantly stubbing your toe, well, then maybe we move that stuff out of the way, okay? Now, something I do want to leave you with is that I truly believe that medicating the negativity is okay. It's just a matter of identifying what your medicating behaviors are. What is your rain dance? Which, as we have now discussed, are more effectively described as distraction techniques. And then you replace them with behaviors that, instead of hating yourself later, You'll feel okay you made it through an ugly situation. (laughs) So, no, we covered a lot. This is an important topic, and I I think this is is a great start to dealing with unfairness and disappointment and defeat and discouragement. And really, it's just a matter of saying, hey, cool, what's next? (laughs) Except having a plan and identifying how and why you medicate yourself through these negative feelings and determining whether or not the way you medicate yourself helps you or hurts you. You guys all have a freaking awesome day. I will be back soon. Want to continue having coffee with Dr. Kashi? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It is very much appreciated. Thank you, and see you next week. Dr. Kashi is out!